space clowns out there? <laughs> Where's my dog? Where's my Pooh Bear? This isn't what you think it is. Nobody stores cotton candy like this. What are you talking about? Of course it is. Look, Mike, come on. Cocoons, popcorn guns, monster shadows. Ooh, I mean, what do you think we are? Yeah, we're not as stupid as we look. If there are killer clowns running around here, then I'm Porky Pig. Look, a clown right there! <laughs> this is Mooney speaking. I was a little worried about you. I thought the big bad clowns got a hold. I want you to listen to me and don't say anything. I want you to call the state police and get help. There are clowns and they are killing people over. Don't worry, Dave. All we want to do is kill you. We need your assistance. The town's gone crazy. People are being killed over. What's all these reports about circus clowns? These clowns aren't people. They're some kind of they're some kind of creatures, things from another planet. <laughs> Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. Small town, college town, um, where some lovers are up on a hill, happen to spot a shooting star, so they go investigate and find a giant circus tent, which ends up being a spaceship filled with actual alien clowns that are every... What, I forget the name for clown phobia, but everyone who's afraid of clowns is their worst nightmare. Um, clowns that are trying to capture the citizens and eat them, <laughs> essentially. Hello, and welcome back to Scream Addicts. I'm Jinx, your host, and that was Molly Henry talking about the Kyoto Brothers' 1988 horror comedy cult classic, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ms. Henry is a Tomato Meter-approved film critic who's been active since 2015, starting with her website, The Blogging Banshee. She's been a contributing writer on such sites as Nightmarish Conjurings, Ghastly Grinning, 1428 Elm, and The Coda. Ms. Henry, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, i got to ask, as with every episode, out of any horror movie you might have chosen, any at all, why go with Killer Clowns? I have a very strange affection and maybe mild obsession with this film. <laughs> um, I It's one of those films that I randomly stumbled upon on TV years ago. I think maybe I was in high school. And I just, it's one of those movies that I, it's kind of become a comfort film. And I think it's just because they come up with this idea that seems ridiculous, but they fully commit to it that it makes it so enjoyable. Like every single clownism you can think of, they f go all out in this from cotton candy to balloon animals and make it all dangerous. And I, <laughs> I think that's such a clever way to approach a horror film. I mean, obviously it's more of a horror comedy, but just to approach that, and it's something that I don't think I've ever seen in any other kind of clown subgenre of horror. I think you're absolutely right, and I, I really adore this movie, too. I've talked on this podcast before about the horror films that sort of really got me into the genre when I was younger, movies like Cronenberg's uh, The Fly and Nightbreed, but you know, while I'd mostly avoided horror films as a tyke, I would occasionally catch some of the more you know, kid-friendly ones. I loved The Monster Squad. Uh, I loved uh, House 2. 
I I absolutely adored the Killer Clowns when it came out. You know, it was perfect sort of gateway horror flick for this. Uh, I think it was seven when it came out because for all the reasons you mentioned, it was scary. You know, there were definitely stakes in it. You know, the threat is taken seriously enough in that there are. You know, definitely bodies that drop throughout the course of the movie. But, you know, it's just goofy enough. It's just fun enough to invite a kid in to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, isn't that like a clown, though? I mean, you know, it's fun and inviting enough on the surface. But, you know, ultimately, maybe it's fairly dangerous underneath. Or maybe that's just what I think of potentially, you know, every clown. But uh, I think it's called, you mentioned uh, early on, but the phobia, I think, is it coulrophobia uh coulrophobia something like that why why it's not just called clown phobia i have no idea but you know it damn well should be but latin term for clown whatever the hell that is (laughs) well can i ask what was your uh you mentioned you had seen it when you were uh younger what was your own first experience with the film what was it like watching it for the first time see and i wish i could remember the specific first time i watched it but I I think it was just one of the things, I don't think I even saw it all the way through until a few years later. I think it was probably, it must have been on like HBO or something like that, because I I think it wouldn't have been on Sci-Fi Channel at that point. (laughs) But it's, and I just remember, it's, I watched as much horror films as I could. I mean, I still do, but even more so when I was younger, I was much more open to watching like the worst of the worst horror films in terms of quality. (laughs) And at first glance, Killer Clowns seems like a really cheesy B horror movie. Um, But I've come to appreciate it as being a bit more refined in my older age. (laughs) Um, Mostly because of the, I mean, the practical effects, the clown design is absolutely phenomenal. and just like I said, all those different clownisms really got me. To think that they can turn something like a balloon animal into something scary is, I feel like that's really difficult to do, but they achieve it somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, again, I noted earlier that it, it's a movie to me that seems to sort of, you know, it, it it's one of those great edgy 80s kids movies in a way. I don't even know that you would call this a kids movie per se, but it surely wanted kids to watch it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's not too far away from, you know, uh, uh, RoboCop having an action uh, figure line, you know, for kids, even though it was a hard R-rated movie or something like The Toxic Avenger, something like mm-hmm. that. You know, obviously, if you make a movie called Killer Clowns, kids are going to want to see it. And yet, you know, I, I think all of the stuff that plays for fun in the movie for adults, like, you know, all those things that we associate with clowns, you know, the cotton candy, say, or, you know, even say a carnival, like, uh, the big tent, uh, popcorn, cotton candy, uh, the balloon animals, you know, that you noted, all of that, I think gets a laugh out of an adult viewer. But I, you know, I remember being a kid and watching and thinking like, yeah, it was fun, but it was also scary. And now I'm going to kind of be, you know, considering, consuming popcorn from that point on you know i'm gonna be a little wary of like cotton candy i love how it takes all of those like seemingly innocuous things and you know gives them sort of a a a shadow you know Mm -hmm. there's a darkness to them now and it's just so much fun as a result and i don't know too you know in realizing all of that stuff i think the movie is such a great example as to why you know practical effects are so well effective you know this is one of those great 80s creature features that really revels in creating interesting designs and pulling them off practically and there's so much imagination in the film when it comes to the clowns and the spaceship and the weapons and 
you know, I, <laughs> watching movies like this, it's always a blast, but it always makes me a little bit sad because we don't get many movies like this anymore, not made in this way with this kind of budget. You know, I've now reached the point in life where I can honestly say they don't make them like they used to. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, do you feel that way? If so, like what, what kind of movies have that effect on you aside from killer clowns where you can look back, you know, they're still enjoyable, but now you kind of wish that that kind of filmmaking hadn't kind of sort of gone away. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. I mean, the practical effects are why this film is so timeless and why, what is it like 30, 40 years later, we're 30 years later, right? I'm bad at math. <laughs> um, we're seeing they had, at, I think it was Midsummer Scream for the anniversary. They had a big event. The past couple years, Universal Studios for the Halloween Horror Nights has had the big killer clowns maze. And it's kind of having this resurgence. Like you can even get Funko Pop figures of the different clowns now. <laughs> and I think it's. I still need to buy one or two of those. <laughs> I I have one, and I pre-ordered the other three already. <laughs> Don't tell my husband. <laughs> um, but I think that it's because of those practical effects. If it had been done in CGI, it wouldn't have had this lasting impact, and it wouldn't still be as popular as it is all these years later. Um, and you see that with a lot of films of that time. Like obviously, The Thing is one that comes to mind for everyone for practical effects. Um, especially when you compare it to the the remake from what was it ten ish years ago? Um, remake. Yeah, the there was well, no the remake. Thing. I, I recall no remake. <laughs> I mean, I I enjoy that movie, but I do too. If they but had it's fun to throw stones. practical effects, it would have been much more effective. You know, and, it's funny that you mentioned that. Why do you think that happens? If you had, I mean, you know, if the effects weren't effective. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be punny at all, but like if they, if they weren't effective, I get it. But you know, by all accounts from, you know, I remember not long after the movie was released, there was this great article. I think it popped up on bloody disgusting or dread central back in the day where they noted that, you know, by all accounts, the effects worked like gangbusters and the same thing. Uh, I saw on Twitter just the other night, somebody mentioning that apparently in the, uh, fright night remake, there was a great practical makeup job done on uh, Colin Farrell's vampire character, Jared Dandridge, in the movie. And yet, in both cases, with the Thing remake and the uh, yeah, uh, the Friday Night remake, they were covered up with, you know, not terrible CG. I can't look at the Thing and point out that anything is, uh, you know, utterly incompetent. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know it's CG. And so that pulls you out of the movie in a way that practical effects won't. There isn't a moment in Carpenter's movie where you look at any of those effects, even if they don't look 100% realistic, but nothing pulls you out of the movie. Whereas CG is just kind of like, you know, it's like a big sign flashing in front of your face as you're trying to stay invested in a story that, you know, reads, uh, you are watching a movie, you know, this is <laughs> constructed for your entertainment. Enjoy, enjoy. And I just, I'm sorry, I went on a tangent. I apologize. No, okay. you mentioned the thing remake. And that always happens with me in the thing remake. I actually think that that is a well executed movie in pretty much every other respect except the CG. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's a mixture of filmmakers, or maybe not so much filmmakers, maybe more production companies, <laughs> wanting to do the, the next big thing in graphics and having the latest technology, which I don't think they realize. 10 years, 15 years, however many years, isn't going to look as great as it did when it first came out, um, whereas practical effects are clearly more timeless. Um, and I think it's also a lot of times it ends up being budgetary. I, I think I've even seen films where there will be like a shooting 
or even a stabbing or some kind of gore effect. And it'll blood. Yeah. It's always so noticeable and so bad. And I, to me, I mean, I don't work in film. I write about films, but like, I obviously don't work in the industry in the same way as filmmakers. And I, I've never understood how just having, like, I would even be happy if they were sh- like squirting some blood from just off camera <laughs> <laughs> instead of doing the CGI blood because it never looks good. Um, and but CGI I think CGI blood and CGI fire, I think, are the oh, two. Yeah. Worst possible things you can, you know, I if, if you have to pull off a big creature with CG, fine. Okay, if you're gonna do like the the CG equivalent of uh, a matte painting to pull off like you know a city or some sort of landscape, I get it, you know, of course. But blood, fire, yeah. really? It seems like I wonder if it's not even a budgetary concern so much as it's just it's 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 lazy, yeah. it's laziness. I just and I I hate the idea, but maybe I mean you know if 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 a movie only has so many shooting days and they're only allowed so many setups a day and they can't run the risk of spattering a bit of blood around and then cleaning it up for a second take if the first one didn't work, you know I understand why they would want to lean on that crutch, but at the same time you know if if you have to do that then maybe just don't do that you know mm-hmm. maybe write around it or maybe drum up more money but dear god it's never ever going to look good no it, it never does i i have yet to see a film that has successfully pulled off cgi blood spatter no not one i, and, I mean if, one if it had then we wouldn't know it but i mean <laughs> well that's <laughs> but it, it, no but i mean no i think i'm agreeing with you i think you're 100 percent right i i it, it never has been i don't think i and we would have read about it because undoubtedly the people who finally pull that off you know the day after opening weekend they're going to be hitting every website you know patting themselves <laughs> on the back for finally being the ones who did it properly that's very true that would be a really good promo gimmick i like i would be more inclined to watch a film if they had successfully done that and then advertise <laughs> that would I work too <laughs> I would, I would, yeah, that would be almost as interesting as like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the higher frame rate, you know, the, the stuff that they pulled like ages ago with the, uh, the Hobbit movies, you know, people I think showed up to those sure because they were Lord of the Rings prequels, but I got to admit the film nerd in me showed up just to see what that would look like. And admittedly, I would do the same for CG blood that was actually pulled off properly. <laughs> <laughs> it never will be. No. So I gotta say, yeah, <laughs> speaking of all this, I mean, uh, Creature, well, gosh, I'm stammering here, but you did mention that effects like that are timeless in a way. And, you know, you also mentioned that certainly CG ages poorly. Have you tried watching anything from like the mid 90s when it was, you know, CG was the cool new thing to try when it was a fun new tool that everyone, everyone wanted to use, it seems. And my God, like it is some of those movies have not dated well, even movies that I love, like, um, I think The Relic is a really great yeah. underrated gem of a film. It's fantastic, and the creature design by Stan Winston is beautiful. But those CG sequences? <laughs> yeah, they're rough. I recently, for the first time, watched a film, I think it was called DNA, um, which is basically a ripoff of a bunch of films at the time. <laughs> like, it's a ripoff of Predator, it's a ripoff of Alien, um, okay. I think a couple others thrown in there. Um, but... There, the close-ups had really cool practical effects, but then any far shot, it was just the worst CG I've ever seen. And I'm pretty sure it was a film from the 90s. I'm going to say mid-late 90s. Um, I mean, even ju- the first Jurassic Park, 
the the CG is not awesome now, but yeah. I think they make up for it because the practical effects that they do use are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so it's kind of a, it's a balance. <laughs> <clears throat> I agree entirely, and plus, you know, it depends on the. Uh, I think, you know, the storyteller as well. Like, you yeah. know, if, if they can wield that decently enough. I remember, uh, it's funny, your uh, your column, Uterus Horror, you wrote recently about uh, Ginger Snaps, I believe. Yes. And it's funny, I uh, I remembered listening to the audio commentary. I think, um, was it, I don't think it was Karen Walton. It might have been the director, John Fawcett, who was talking about um, how Ginger appears in the final moments of the movie. And... You know, I they might show a bit too much of that effect because that effect might not be that convincing. And yet, you know, the movie has done such a great job up until that point, sort of like investing you in the story and those characters that I think he noted, you know, we could have uh, paraded around like a block of rubber and you would still <laughs> be engaged. And it's like, yeah, I guess, you know, but again, I wonder if that still comes back to the fact that like, that's a practical effect. You you know, we can tell that that creature is actually there in the room, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, I wonder if, could you imagine the exact same movie, exact same performances, story, directing, everything, Ginger Snaps being 100% the same, except those final moments, could you imagine her being CG and it being a 10th as effective as it is? Oh, no, not at all. Because a lot of that emotion is not just from the storytelling and the relationship, but from the the physical presence of the two of them being in that room together for their final moment. And if you took that away and made it a CGI, it, it would take us out of the moment as well. Um, I, oh, that's making me like cringe just thinking about that possibility because <laughs> I love well, that plus, so much. <laughs> oh, it's, it's my favorite werewolf movie, uh, hands mm-hmm. down. Like it's, yeah. it's not even close. Um, but, you know, it, it, plus, too, like, Ginger Snaps is such a great... It's a great werewolf movie, but it's a great body horror movie, too. And could you imagine any sort of body horror movie being done with CG? I, I can't. No. Like, it's... <laughs> I mean, has anyone even tried to do that? I'm sure someone has. But obviously, it's not successful if we can't think of any. <laughs> no, no. If... if is, God, I, I can't imagine. But, you know, deep down, like, I know that somebody's going to try it one day. Like, when they remake The Fly... It's, there's going to be CG in there. It's not going to be great. But I just, I pray that, one, I pray that we get some sort of follow-up to Killer Clowns. We should have had so many by now. Uh, But if somebody tries to tackle that again, I pray that they they stick to the, uh, the practical effects. I mean, because part of the appeal of the movie... I mean, you know, it's the design work, certainly. Mm -hmm. But it's just, in addition to that, I think the Kyoto Brothers, they don't get quite enough credit, I think, for how wonderfully they execute that really tricky sort of horror comedy tone, you know, um, you know, and they did the effects, they did the effects, they directed the movie, you know, the gentlemen, I, I, I think, are wonderful. And yet, it's amazing to think that they have only directed one feature film. You know, we should have yeah. had sequels by now. We Hell, we should have had a remake by now, after several sequels. These guys should have been making a movie every year. We we should have already had a Critters versus Killer Clowns crossover flick, crossover with the K. Oh, that how, was easy. <laughs> how robbed do you feel, as a fan, that we never got any other movies from these guys? It's, I've... I would have to assume that when it first came out, it must have completely bombed. Like, there's no way that it was successful back then, and it didn't, because that was the time of having franchises that went on forever. I mean, look at 
Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and like everything back then was a franchise. So I, I would have to assume that it bombed and maybe it's because people didn't appreciate the clown aspect as much as people do now. But at the very least with how popular it has become people rediscovering it or discovering it for the first time now, thanks to Universal and stuff like that. I really hope that this allows the brothers to either make another film or it does finally get someone to remake it, but hopefully that they understand why the fans love it and don't make a shitty CGI <laughs> remake. <laughs> Uh, because that, I mean, that would destroy it. I can't even imagine if they tried to do some over-the-top CGI stuff. Because the, especially when a film like this where I feel like when the monster or villain is so prominently shown throughout the whole film, it has to be practical. I mean, can you imagine if they, well, I mean, we did kind of see what happened when they tried to do Freddy with CGI. <laughs> Another I, movie that never happened. You all yeah. keep talking about it, but I refuse to believe it exists. But I would hope that they would learn from that and the reception that the the remake slash prequel or whatever you want to call it of the thing. I would hope that they would learn that people don't appreciate when you take something that is known for the amazing practical effects and replace it with CGI. But again, I don't necessarily trust production companies to know that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Wait. not to necessarily not know it, but I don't trust them to respect it. It has to be, I mean, to some extent, it has to be a budgetary concern, certainly. But I, you know, can you imagine how much it would knock modern audiences on their asses if they showed up to a creature feature flick these days? Like something with a decent budget, something that you would watch in a movie theater. Fingers crossed we actually have movie theaters after all of this craziness. But I mean, could you imagine if modern audiences sat down and watched a creature feature flick with like something on par with uh, the transformation in an American werewolf in London or, you know, any of the, anything from the howling, any sort of wonderful, hell, Robotine's work in the thing, but the modern equivalent of that on the big screen, you know, no CG, all practical. It would be insane. Like mm -hmm. people I got to imagine would love it. And I got to wonder if most modern audiences, you know, uh, who might not be super savvy and might not be familiar with, you know, decades worth of horror films in the past, you know, but say the modern moviegoer, you know, they, they, they don't even know to expect that. I don't think. And, um, and could you imagine too, if that art form had simply progressed without, you know, people leaving it behind for CG, you know, what would animatronics look like now? You know, what would, uh, I mean, just watching that TV show, what was a face off on sci-fi and seeing oh, what, yes. you know, these, not amateurs, but certainly like, you know, makeup effects artists who are at the beginnings of their careers, like the stuff that they were able to pull off was amazing. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I wish that show was still on. Sidebar, I loved it. <laughs> I love it. RJ Hattie got robbed. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> he did. He did, though. Uh, no, I love that show. I, I, I miss it, too. Uh, there was another sci-fi show that I, I remember when Face Off was just taking off after its first or second season. Uh, do you remember the show... Was it Monster Man, I think? Um, I don't know if I remember that one. I remember they did a Jim Henson one for like one season. <gasps> what? Yeah, they did a Jim Henson's workshop. And I just remember the very first episode, they had to make Skeksis from The Dark Crystal. <gasps> and I think it only lasted one season, but it was amazing. Okay, I have to look this up. That sounds amazing. <laughs> 
No, uh, Monster Man, it was cool. It was about a, um, oh gosh, it was about a makeup effects guy and his uh, family and the company that they ran. And the first episode was great because you're introduced to this really sort of like quirky guy who's, you know, obviously loves like classic, you know, 50s creature features and stuff like that. And so anytime he gets to work on like a low budget flick, he's like super giddy about it. But, you know, there's always (laughs) in the first episode, the way it's presented, you know, he he sort of like drags his feet a bit on, you know, the actual work and, you know, the filmmakers get angry with him, And so that creates conflict, but nevertheless, he and his family pull together and they deliver something amazing by the end of the episode. And it was an incredible pilot. So I tuned in for all of them after that, but they, you could tell obviously that it was very, even though it was meant to be reality TV, it was certainly scripted because every single episode was, well, they they invite him on and he's super happy to be doing it, but then he winds up dragging his feet, so they fall behind, so the filmmakers get angry, so his family pulls together, and then by the end they deliver something great. You know, <laughs> it, it became too formulaic, and it's like, reality doesn't really work like this, I don't think. But nevertheless, seeing, you know, a uh, a guy working in the trenches pulling off effects for actual films was just so much fun. That's amazing, yeah. And, yeah, I can see that that would get old, especially because... I can imagine in the film industry that someone who consistently fell behind on his work would probably not continue to get work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was wondering how much it was meant to help him, too. It's funny. I went to a uh, a horror convention in Lexington way back in the day, and um, he was there. He and uh, a couple of his uh, family members, I think, and... Uh, you know, I remember him walking around and people recognizing him and saying hello and people were getting autographs and it was super cool. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe this is great for this guy. But at the same time, it's like, I, you know, if if you're being presented as continually being somebody who is barely making their deadlines, you know, mm-hmm. and is pissing everybody off, then, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's not the best uh, sort of advertising for your company. His name, I just looked it up, is Cleve Hall. And the show aired back in 2012. Good God, that's been nearly wow. a decade. That's it's crazy how long ago, like stuff like that. It seems like maybe it was five years ago, if that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, oh no, it was actually ten years ago. It, oh, that makes me feel old too. <laughs> it's faster, faster. Yeah, I'm, 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 I am one year away from forty now, and I'm just kind of like, how the hell, like, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> I still feel twenty. This is ridiculous. But um. But yeah, so no, I, I adore Face Off and Monster Man 2 and practical effects. And I just, I, I love creature features of this sort. And so, you know, again, I, I've probably beaten this horse silly, but I mean, Killer Clowns is so much fun for any number of reasons, but not least is the fact that the effects are so damn good. Mm-hmm. And what, one of the like fun fact things about this film, that's one of my favorite random facts, is that the ma- the practical effects for the clowns were so good that they were reused in Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> what? The trolls are are the clowns. It's just different no. makeup. On. Yes. <laughs> Watch it again and you will notice. It, you can totally tell it's they just obviously repainted them and stuff. But yeah, it's it's the same heads. I hate to cut this conversation short. But I need to go and watch Ernest Scared Stupid now. Uh, <laughs> I need to see this. I need a side-by-side comparison. Um, that is incredible. I had no idea. So wait, did did the Kyoto Brothers work on an Ernest film too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did all the effects for that film, if I remember correctly. That's fantastic. I love that movie. I haven't seen it in ages, though. Um, God, that's amazing. 
So with Killer Clowns, you know, it's funny, I was watching it again, and there are all these sort of, I don't know, sort of quirky aspects of the movie that I absolutely love. Like things that, you know, some people might consider, not necessarily flaws, but just, you know, the movie has some rough edges, I think, that actually make it more endearing. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed this time around, and maybe it always had sort of bugged me, but I never really, up until this chat and preparing for it, I don't know that I'd ever stop to just straight up question it. But how old are Mike and Debbie meant to be, do you think? Like, the actors were both pushing 30 when the film was made. Yeah. But at times, it's written like they were meant to be teenagers. I mean, the movie opens with them parking in a lover's lane. That's how you introduce teenagers in horror films in, like, the 50s. You know, and yet, at other times, it seems like it's, you know, they're played, like, maybe they're in their early 20s. I don't know. You know, Debbie, obviously, is dated Dave, who was a cop who's also nearly 30. So, you know, I don't know if we're meant to feel weird about that or... (laughs) Well, like, where do you place them at? I've always assumed because they talk about Mike going to the local college in that town that they were around 20 or 21. Um, especially, I, I feel like they talk about drinking or they do drink. I could be off about that. But just because of the mention of the college and the fact that she did date the cop, who he could be older than her. But I've always assumed that they were at least close to 21, like Mike is about to graduate (laughs) or something, um, which makes it less weird. And I just assume that there's nothing else to do in this small town except for to go to Lover's Lane and drink and eat ice cream. So, (laughs) Okay, I also got to ask, too, like, how long is Debbie's shower in the film? It seems like we cut away (laughs) from her stepping in and then ages later we cut like she should have been a prune by the time we cut yeah. back to her it seems so long uh it's funny i was looking something up and they note that it's something like 20 minutes of screen time pass but it could potentially be hours oh wow uh, <laughs> in actual like you know the in the world of the movie and i'm just kind of like really is that something I, I you know i wonder if that was ever discussed in the edit and honestly i would like to think that they just you know fell on the side of uh yeah no she totally took a three hour four hour shower it's just you know I mean, wouldn't you, if you stepped inside of an alien ship, that's the best way to disinfect, I gotta imagine. She was covered in popcorn monsters. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, granted, she didn't know they were popcorn monsters yet. Very true. Very true. She she learned that after the shower. (laughs) (laughs) It's a horrible discovery she has yet to make. Yeah, that is a good point, because it does seem really long, and especially because, obviously, we can kind of time it based on everything that happens with Mike and Dave because they come and see her just as she's being taken away. Um, And they do a lot of shit between (laughs) when she starts her shower and when she gets taken away. So, yeah, I can see that being way longer than they anticipated. I I think that must have just been, like, something that they overlooked in editing. Or maybe since she's the only female, they just assume that's how long women take showers. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. <laughs> but I do love the story. I'm 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 good naturedly poking fun at it because yeah. I, I do think it is great. And it does seem to be like a really fun send up of older creature features. Like you watch it, it it kind of I wonder if it wouldn't be uh, sort of a great double bill to watch this and Night of the Creeps because both are eighties horror movies that are driven by great practical effects that also seem to be throwing back to 
like an earlier era of horror mm-hmm. film. Definitely, yeah. I mean, because even in Night of the Creeps, doesn't it start in the 50s or something like that? 50s or 60s? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I can definitely see that. Because e- even though it's definitely, a, like, Killer Clowns is a very 80s film, <laughs> it definitely, I can see it being back to, like, the old black and white monster movies where they're, like, giant aliens that just look like big bugs and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see it kind of acknowledging those kinds of films while still being very clown centric. Yeah. And it is, I mean, in a way, it's kind of a flying saucer movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it spins, it's round, <laughs> but it's also <laughs> tent like. No, I'm sorry. I can't get beyond the fact that the creatures were used in uh, in in Ernest Scared Stupid. That's going to dominate the rest of my thoughts for this evening. <laughs> I apologize. So, no, it is it is genius though that we have those sort of wonderfully designed creatures underneath what is some pretty great clown makeup in its own right, you know. But the thing is, though, I was watching it this last time. If you removed those creatures, if you simply had the makeup and those costumes alone, like that alone, would create a creepy character simply because they're clowns. Sure. And damn it. Clowns are creepy or they can be creepy. You know, I can't say that I am a chlorophobic, but you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Lon Chaney's quote. What is it? Uh, There's nothing funny about a clown at midnight. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like I, how do you feel about clowns overall? Do you, can they, to me, I've always been of the opinion that, you know, I'm, I'm not scared of every clown. You know, I, I, Ronald McDonald doesn't, you know, intimidate me even a little <laughs> bit, but, um, but you know, it, at the same time, it doesn't take a whole hell of a lot to make a clown creepy either. Yeah. I mean, I think clowns are inherently creepy, but I've all, I'm not the kind, I'm also not the kind of person that's ever really been afraid of clowns. Um, I don't like them, but <laughs> just because I think they're weird. Um, but I like even cinematically I think there's only one film I can think of off the top of my head where there's been a clown that has scared me um like even the it it films like Pennywise was never really that scary to me he was scary in other forms but in his clown form I never really found him that scary um so they honestly the only one that's ever scared me is the clown from Hell House LLC (laughs) I have never seen that, but I see enough people talking about it that I, I feel that I need to watch it. I keep seeing, is it on Shutter maybe, yeah. or Amazon Prime or someplace? I keep seeing, like, uh, there are sequels, right? Am I right about yeah, that? Yeah, there are three of them. The first one is absolutely amazing. Second one isn't great. Third one does a good job of tying it all together. Um, okay. But it's it does a good job of, it's very much kind of like, brings up the feeling of going through like a haunted house attraction. It, it feels like that. Oh, I love that. It. But there's, there is like a clown in it. It's not even really a character. It's just a clown that's there. And it's the only clown that's ever freaked me out. <laughs> like that movie, no matter how many times I watch it, it scares the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, there was a uh, haunt film featuring creepy clowns that came out. I would say it was maybe five or six years ago. And damn it all. I cannot remember uh, what the name of it was. Give me just a moment and I will look this up. Um, but if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth checking out. It wasn't House of October built, was it? Yep, you got okay. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. They're actually yeah, they're... kind of sim- like, I mean, they're, the two films aren't similar necessarily in plot, 
but in the sense that both of the both that and Hell House LLC get provide a movie experience that is like going through a haunted attraction, they they both kind of do that. Um, except for one is more real life scary killer people, and one is more supernatural. You know, it's funny though in watching the House of October Built, which I do think is a very good movie. I did not care for the sequel at all. Um, no. But if you watch the first one, you know, there are there is some creepy clown imagery, but it seems so to me, the clowns aren't creepy when you go overboard in trying to make them creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you bring in like the uh, I don't know, the Rob Zombie aesthetic where you just dirty everything up and make it look awful on top of everything or when it's like overly designed. I'm thinking of uh, we're not talking clowns here now, but like. You know, it's the difference between the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that Toby Hooper made and then the remake in 2003. Now, when you look at Leatherface's mask in the 74 film, it's terrifying because it just looks like, I mean, it looks like dried flesh. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's it, that somebody's punched holes out in and, you know, uh, drug over their face. Whereas, you know, if, if, if you look at the remake, it's so obviously the product of, you know, uh, uh, a makeup effects artist. And as a result, you know, on some level, it's just, not quite as creepy and i feel the same way about clowns you know the the less you do to that basic design you know the less you muck about with it i think the more effective it is and i think that's part of the reason why as much as i like the it films i i agree with you like pennywise is not terribly frightening no and it's it's he tries to be so hard too <laughs> i kind of feel he tries his damnedest he tries his little heart out pennywise <laughs> but he 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 dances as hard as he can to yeah. uh, to scare us, but yeah, but especially uh, God speaking of CG, you know that is a perfect example of why practical effects are better than CG. I will say, as a character, he's at least effective, you know, as much as he needs to be in the first film when it's just an actor in face paint and you know mm-hmm. some prosthetics. Were you even remotely creeped out? or terrified in the final third of the second chapter when he turns into an almost entirely CG creation? No, not at all. And it's, I mean, to be fair, in in the old miniseries, I wasn't either (laughs) when it was all practical effects with the spider creature. Um, I I was a kid when that series came out. I didn't even watch that series when I was a kid, but I was like maybe seven or eight when it came out, probably around the same time as Killer Clown. And, uh, Killer Clowns, rather, and I just uh, there was something about catching glimpses of him that creeped me out so much. <laughs> See, and it's I, I don't know. Maybe it's just those films in general. I have never found them that scary. Um, but yeah, it's the the CGI characters were the least scary parts, <laughs> and it's it's unfortunate um, because there were at least pieces of the old miniseries that used all practical that were very creepy when you see glimpses of Pennywise in different forms coming after the kids it's creepy but when it's like this weird CGI lady coming out of a painting running at some kid and just being loud that's not scary (laughs) (laughs) that was that was a theme that I noticed a lot with the new one it was a lot of loud fast movements created with cgi and it just doesn't have the same effect you could move very slowly and be way creepier if you just weren't cgi no i agree no i uh you know it's funny though with it being as big as it was you would think there would have been somewhat of a resurgence in 
clown-related horror flicks. You know, we've certainly had some over the last half decade, but, uh, you know, one of my favorites is the uh, is the John Watt-directed film uh, Clown, about the uh, the guy who puts on the clown costume and then it won't oh, come on. Yes, yes, that was, that was an interesting one. I liked that they did a different kind of film with that than what we usually see with killer clown movies. Yeah, it's a neat idea, although it is weird. You know, it's funny that that movie was the result of somebody mocking up like a, uh, a trailer of that concept. And in the trailer, they were dressed like a normal birthday clown. And that the idea that a normal, like, you know, birthday clown would, you know, that suit would not allow itself to be removed from somebody was kind of creepy because, you know, we've all seen those guys, you know, mm-hmm. and how creepy would it be if they were struggling with that? Whereas in the movie, again, you know, it, I like the movie, but you know, it can't simply be a normal clown costume. It has to be a clown costume from like the 17th century, you know, yeah. that's all there. It's like, guys, come on. Yeah. You know, but, but at the same time, you know, since there is, or since maybe there should have been kind of a resurgence in, you know, killer clowns as a subgenre, like, again, I wonder why we haven't seen any follow-ups. We haven't seen any sequels. You know, there have been rumors for years, but you know, I just have my fingers crossed that we're going to see something more set in that world. But I got to ask, would you even want to see more? Or do you like the idea that it's kept at this one kind of perfect little gym? And if you would want to see more, like, what would you like to see in a follow-up? Um, I I would be happy to see more. I, I'm definitely a kind of person that is always open to long-awaited sequels or reboots or remakes or prequels or whatever the hell you want to call them. There's so many different versions of it these days. Um, But I've always been the kind of person that's open to that because it's not going to tarnish how I feel about the original. Like I I can watch the Friday or yeah, I guess even the Friday the 13th remake that came out and it's not great, but I can still watch it and still enjoy the first film just like with any thing which is why I don't understand why people moan and groan all the time about it on social media um because it has no bearing on the original (laughs) I agree I I I will admit like when you know I was 17 when the Psycho remake came out and I sort of jumped on the bandwagon of bashing the Psycho remake before it came out uh you know uh I I will feel as um, sort of justified but um you know when when they started remaking like Texas Chainsaw and Halloween and, you know, a lot of these bigger titles, it's just kind of like, guys, why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then, you know, some of them wound up being great. I I think Dawn of the Dead is one of the best damn zombie movies ever made. It's not a stitch on Romero's original, but mm-hmm. I'm glad it exists, you know? Yeah. And like uh, the, the evil dead remake is oh absolutely fucking amazing. Sorry. I forgot to ask if I can swear on here. <laughs> Please swear away. Okay. It's completely fine. <laughs> It's, I mean, that movie is gorgeous and gory and terrifying, and I absolutely love it. And I actually, I appreciate in when they do reboots, I actually appreciate when they bring something new to the table. Like, you can see the inspiration from the original Evil Dead, but it's very different. Yes. So you, it's hard to compare the two, like... I, I don't like one more than the other. I love both of them for very different reasons. And I feel like no. that would be... I, I mean, part of me wants them, if they did a reboot or whatever of Killer Clowns, part of me would love for them to do something 
maybe scarier with them and go in a totally different direction. But then part of me also wants them to just remake the exact same practical effects and have the same goofy shit that I've, <laughs> I know and love, you know? <laughs> but I mean, I'd be open to whatever they want to do as long as it wasn't CGI clowns. No, that's, I agree. That's my one my God. It's funny, you mentioning the Evil Dead remake and then the idea that you would like to see a remake that takes the clowns a bit more seriously. I'm imagining, like, what does a Fede Alvarez Killer Clowns from Outer Space movie look like? One, it's probably just called Killer Clowns, period. Yeah. But two, like, I, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Um, oh, for sure. I, I actually want this to happen now. Can we make it happen? <laughs> Can we start an online petition for this? You know, can we? If we can use Evil Dead as the template, I want both. I want the big screen remake, which is like hard R and scary as hell. But I also kind of want to. I want the stars Ash versus Evil Dead version of Killer Clowns that actually carries on the original story from the '80s movie as well. That would be oh, see, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> see, there's so many different ways that they could do it, and I would, I would just be happy to support whatever they want to do. <laughs> Like I'm, I, I'm not going to be picky. I just want more killer clowns. I, <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. I mean, like I said, practical, practical effects. But other than that, just give me more killer clowns from outer space. You can even cut the outer space. Although I think it would be cool kind of, I always, <laughs> even though they're usually terrible, I always love when franchises get to the point where they have an in-space one like Leprechaun <laughs> in space. I am unashamed to say that I love that movie. <laughs> it's so terrible, but so good. Um, and hey, practical effects. <laughs> Absolutely, I, yeah. That's that's a franchise too. That like, God bless it. It has stuck pretty much to practical <laughs> effects for the most part over the yeah. years. I think I haven't seen the newest one that didn't have Warwick Davis because I was sad it didn't have Warwick Davis. Um, I think that one might use more CGI from what I saw just from the trailers. Really? Uh, okay, that bums me. I'm not positive. But they did a practical makeup job on yes, it. Yes, they did. But I think it was just like stuff that he did. It was a lot of CGI. But I could be wrong. Like I said, I have not seen it yet. <laughs> but I'll see it at some point. I just, I love Warwick Davis so much. He's one of, one of my favorite actors from going back as far as I can remember from like Willow and obviously the oh, Leprechaun God, films. And he was, he was wicked. The Ewok. I, I loved the Ewok movies as a kid. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I own them. I own both of them on DVD. You can Wait, what? There's on... a DVD release of them. Oh yeah. I would buy them. I didn't know that they got a, uh, I thought the uh, Ewok movies and the holiday special would never see the light of day as far as physical media went. I think it's just the, um, I mean, the holiday special, obviously, but <laughs> I think the cartoons, like the Ewok cartoon and the droid cartoons, you can't get anymore unless it's on VHS. Um, but yeah, I, I have, I, it's like a double feature on DVD of those movies, and it's awesome. <laughs> Sold. I need these. But yeah, so I, I was uh... that they replaced him, which is why I haven't seen it yet. But it's, I don't even remember where I was going with that, <laughs> because I just love Warwick Davis, so I got distracted. <laughs> Uh, I think we were talking Leprechaun, and we got there through oh. Leprechaun in Space. Yes. Um, I think it would be also kind of be cool to see a Killer Clowns actually in space. Kind of see yes. a like, what does the Killer Clowns look like? Yeah, like where did they come from? 
why did they come to Earth? Like, do they actually go to a bunch of different planets and just eat whatever they find? Do they even have a home planet? I don't know because I they don't show that. And I would love to get more information about them. I want I want more mythos. <laughs> I want to see the first time they touched down on planet Earth and actually inspired the idea of what we think clowns to be. Yeah. You know, like uh I I want to see their home world. I want to see all of that stuff. And yet it would also be funny too if the franchise, you know. They always say that like horror movies, you know, once you get to the point where you launch a franchise into space, that's pretty much the death knell for the franchise at that point, at least for a while. I want to see Killer Clowns do it from reverse. Like, you know, maybe we started with Killer Clowns from outer space. Admittedly, they come from outer space. We don't actually see them in outer space, but it would be neat to ground them completely. How many of them got uh, abandoned when their spaceship blew up? You know, we don't know that they all died, right? Yeah, there has to be some that didn't make it back in time. They weren't planning to take off that soon. (laughs) (laughs) There's a tricycle out there with a couple of really lonely clowns on it, I think, just traversing the countryside. Um, No, I... (laughs) There's also that clown car. There could have been more hiding in the clown car at the end. It's a clown car. They kind of have to be. You know, there, there need to be multiple clowns in there. I, that's how the sequel opens all those years ago. The door is kicked open and then 30 of them pour out. Oh, my God. What if the, the sequel is the Trenzi brothers saved the two girl clowns and they, they got married and had killer clown babies? <laughs> <laughs> that's the sequel I want now. Give me that one. I like that idea of bringing the brothers back. You know, do a Halloween 2018 with everything. Bring back older Mike Tobacco. Bring back Debbie Stone. You know, we can have the, you know, I don't know what age they would be because I don't know what age they were back in the day. But still, (laughs) you know, they would be somewhat older and we could just pick up with them. Uh, I don't know how you make that appealing to a new audience who might not be familiar with the original movie. But damn it, I I would be okay with that. I feel like so many more people are familiar with it now, though. Like it's, it's become, it's weird that in the past couple of years, it's become a pop culture phenomenon again. Granted, I don't know if it really was at the time because it doesn't really seem like it was. I should have looked that up before to see like, I, how it actually did. <laughs> there were no Funko Pop figures when I was a kid in 1988. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, I, I know I they there. did have action figures back in the day because I've seen them at conventions. What? Um, yeah, I, I almost bought one and instead I... I bought a Mars Attacks laser gun. <laughs> okay, I can't actually. I was I was getting ready to be like, what? How could you not buy a Killer Clowns figure? But no, if it's anything related to Mars Attacks, like, oh my god, <laughs> imagine that crossover. Oh, that would oh that would be amazing too. Oh, see, there's so many good crossovers that they could do, and so many different ways they could do a sequel. They have to do it. They're I'm just so sitting there, like. If, if you've gotten to the point where you have a Funko Pop figure, then somebody is dropping the ball by not reviving this franchise. For sure, yeah. Because, I mean, granted, like I said, I think a lot of people know it now because of Halloween Horror Nights and because of Funko. But I, I feel like the movie isn't super easy to find to watch. Like, it's on, is it on Netflix right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on Netflix. Okay. And there's the... Uh, Oh, I think there's the old MGM uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. I think they're still available. I think there's a Screen Factory edition, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, but yeah, other than that, I just... <laughs> I just definitely Netflix. got the Screen Factory one as soon as it came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of have to own it. Like, yeah. even even if it's readily available elsewhere. One, physical media rules and always will. Uh, but, you know, two, it's just, how can you? How can there be a piece of memorabilia for a movie that you love out there that you don't own? 
like but to the same way about uh you know i already own silent hill on blu-ray uh i don't know when i'll get around to all the new bonus features on the screen factory disc but i bought the damn thing all the same <laughs> yeah it's, to, you, you need to your... have every detail i mean if it's something you love why not spend the money on it agreed yeah I would definitely spend more on Killer Clowns. And apparently Ernest Scared Stupid now. So seriously, I'm not joking. As soon as we hop off here, I am I am leaping to my television and watching that movie. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, like, I pulled up the pictures. Um, I, it was a bloody disgusting article from a few years ago is how I found out about this. And they actually show, like, one of the clowns, I think, is um, Slim was his name. I don't remember. The tall, skinny one. He's one of the trolls. And you can really tell. And it's so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is amazing. Look at, the, I, looking I, at these side-by-side pictures. It's ridiculous. And it's so funny because they do such a good job with the paint job that it's not immediately noticeable. Unless, <laughs> like, unless you looked up and you're like, oh, hey, those are the guys that did the Killer Clown movie. Oh, those are the Killer Clowns. <laughs> you know, it occurs to me that one of my favorite makeup effects in the entire movie and it might just be due to the size that he's presented at, but you know, I, I love Clownzilla. Oh yeah, I, I adore him. <laughs> but I also, you know, I wonder what the deal is with him because he's on strings. He's like a marionette. So is he the actual threat? Is there another threat somewhere in that ship? Do you think that's actually puppeting him? Like, what is what is going on with him? Do you think? I yeah, I kind of feel like he. Because they almost at first made it seem like he's like the king of the clowns. Yeah. But I feel like more he's their security system. Like that oh. that's kind of the vibe that I got since he had the strings and stuff. I feel like this was a, a wacky security system that the ship has. <laughs> and it's just a giant marionette clown that is going to stomp anyone <laughs> who tries to invade their spaceship. And then throw them out. Or eat them, apparently. Because <laughs> they like to do that. See, and that was, sorry, random thought going back to talking about if they do like a gory version. I would love to see what an actual corpse looks like after they suck all the blood out of it from oh inside the cocoon. <laughs> see, oh, I, that's grim. this is, I'm really morbid. I, I shouldn't have just said that out loud. <laughs> no, 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 please. This, this podcast welcomes it. Although I got to say, like, there would if we're talking like Fede Alvarez killer clowns, if we're talking like grim and dark and gory, like yeah. I gotta tell you, like I can handle maybe Farmer Gene getting that treatment, but I I don't I don't wanna see his dog go oh, much the yeah. same way. Like which apparently I didn't realize that Pooh Bear actually makes an appearance later on. Well, he doesn't make an appearance, like his corpse makes an appearance, but I had always missed this, I guess, but there is the uh, the moment when they pull the cotton candy off of Gene's face. And it's like, oh my God, you know, there he is. Apparently, right behind him, there is a tiny little serving of cotton candy hanging behind oh, him. And no. that, that is meant to be Pooh Bear. So... Sad, I have never noticed that. Yeah. That's so sad. Pooh Bear. You do a lot of rewatching. Rewatching tonight, so uh, that bums me out. But yeah, I love the idea of Clownzilla being uh, their security system, and it makes me wonder too. Like they have him, and obviously all of the various clowns have different sort of personalities. They are, you know, quite different from one another. And I wonder if we're meant to think at the end of the movie that is there a race of them out there? Are there more killer clowns out there in outer space? And it, it led me to wonder what 
the very final shot of the movie means. And I was going to ask you how you take it. Obviously, it's a gag. You know, our hero is getting pies in the face again. But where did the pies come from? Is that debris from the spaceship that was blown up? Are there clowns that are still there who launched them? Uh, Are they going to melt two seconds after the credits begin? Like, how do you take that final moment? Yeah, I've always assumed that it was debris from the explosion, but I've always thought that too. Like, are are they gonna melt? We just saw someone get melted after having a bunch of pies thrown on them. So I, I've always wondered if they actually die. But because they end it with the cheery clown music, I assume they survive. <laughs> that great theme song. But yeah, it's that's the the one part. It's I say the one part. That's the one gag in the film that didn't. I feel like didn't go as well because we had just seen the guy melt and it's, I'm fine with it being debris. Like that's always just what I've assumed. Like there was an explosion and crap fell on them, but it comes from their kitchen. They hadn't quite mixed in the acid yet. You know, maybe there we go. That's good. <laughs> we'll use that as an excuse because but it's, it is, you know, it's confusing a little bit. <laughs> no, I agree. And, but you know, too, like I, part of me, the only reason that I considered the fact that it might have been launched from other clowns rather than just being debris is the fact that, you know, most, as you've noted, you know, horror movies were meant to be franchise starters back in the 80s, you know, and Killer Clowns doesn't really end in a spot where they announce that there's going to be a sequel, you know, okay. which I mean, thank God, because it wasn't, but, you know, it doesn't end with that sort of uh, question mark that a lot of horror movies do that allows us to imagine there's going to be a follow-up. Yeah, that's true. And then I was kind of bummed. <laughs> and now that you say that, I almost wonder if if I had seen this when it first came out. I mean, granted, I would have been like only a few months old. <laughs> but um, if, I, if I had seen it, if I had been of an age where I could have seen it when it first came out, I wonder if I would look at that scene differently if I would have looked at it more like it was a sign for a sequel that there were still clowns, then that was their like F you at the end. We're going to throw these (laughs) at you because you just blew our spaceship up. Whereas like, since I saw it for the first time when I was in high school, several years after it had come out in my mind, I knew there was no sequel. So I obviously rationalized it, that it was debris. So that that's an interesting point. I wonder if, if, if people who saw that when it first came out assumed that that was clowns because that was a franchise era. So you would assume that it would have a sequel. And most, and I feel like even horror films that don't necessarily have a sequel usually end on a note where they at least could have a sequel. Oh, totally. Yeah. I will say, you know, I, for my own part, the 10 year old in me, is still expecting like a killer clown sequel and a nightbreed sequel. Like those are the two mm-hmm. horror movies where it's like, guys, come on. This is this is so clearly meant to be a franchise. Give me more. Yeah. They definitely Nightbreed definitely should have had more. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've other... been watching that movie a lot recently. <laughs> I adore that movie. I do. It's one of my it's one of my favorite films of all time. Um and we should have had sequels. <laughs> For sure. I, I feel right. like that's another good practical effects one too. <laughs> like, oh they, my god! They, they yeah. created a whole world with practical effects. Come on, you could have given at least one sequel. 
I agree. I and there's so much there to explore too. Like that is that is a completely different conversation. If you're willing to come back and talk Nightbreed, we will totally do that too. Because I I could talk Nightbreed for hours, even though we limit the show to an hour. Oh my god! I just realized I don't know how we got here, but I think we've just about reached our time. We have <laughs> nearly hit an hour. It does not seem like we've been chatting for an hour. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for coming on and talking about an old favorite like this film. Can I ask, before we go, do you have any final parting thoughts on Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Um, My final parting thoughts are that it is a fantastic um, kind of snapshot of 80s horror comedy um, that completely commits to its concept and holds on to that throughout the entire film, which I think a lot of films these days are a little too afraid to do. Um, And it's something that 100%, especially since it's been getting so much more attention the past couple years, it needs to have some kind of resurgence, whether that's in the form of a sequel, a TV show, a reboot, a prequel. I don't care what it is, but I want it. (laughs) I want it very badly. I agree entirely. All right, now, where can folks find you at online, and uh, what can we keep an eye out for from you in the future? Um, you can find me on, um, oh, I'm so bad at remembering my own handles. On Twitter, I'm at bloggingbanshee, and on Instagram, I'm at blogging.banshee. Haha, <laughs> that's the difference. Um, <laughs> I, I'm honestly, with quarantine, I've been slacking a lot, but... I will always be working on as many reviews for the bloggingbanshee.com as I am mentally capable of doing. <laughs> um, and some of my other work for other websites has been put on pause because of all the craziness that's going on. But hopefully you will be seeing more from me on other outlets. But I will always post everything on my social media if if you're looking for stuff from me. So. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much again. <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. Right, and thanks to all you listeners out there. As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, use the comment section below, and give us a yell on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Scream Addicts, and I'm at Jinx1981. Until next time, folks, thanks so much, and have a great weekend. What are you going to do? Knock my block off.